Hey everybody, this is Bam Neely, and you're watching the WZWA Network. The following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Hi everybody, this is former WWE superstar Al Snow. And TWN is Sean Oliver. My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge Podcast. Now get on the train. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the WZWA Network podcast here. I am your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. It is so good to be with you here tonight. I am ready to talk to this guy right here. I am so excited to find out a little bit about his journey in professional wrestling and everything that happened afterward. He is the one and only former WWE CW superstar member of La Familia. He is the one and only Bam Neely. Bam, how are you going tonight? What's going on, man? How you doing? Yeah, good, bro. Thank you for being with us here today. Um, we're really excited to, to do a little dive into your, your past in professional wrestling. I know it's a long time ago for you now, but a little trip down memory lane. Um, yeah. First question we always ask everyone, Bam. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but we like to take it all the way to the beginning and ask you, you know, when you were young and uh, when did you or how did you first become a fan of wrestling? Um, I guess I've always been a fan of wrestling. Um, I remember, uh, when I was real young, WrestleMania three with Andre and Hogan, um, that kind of got me kickstarted. Um, a couple of my friends, we'd always like suplex each other in the, in the front yard. And, <laughs> and, uh, I think I used to beat up my sister, my stepsisters growing up. So, uh, if I could get a couple drop kicks in on them before <laughs> they, uh, punched me in the uh in uh the private parts uh i would uh, i would take advantage of it <laughs> reminds me a lot of me and my sister i used to try and lock the figure four leg lock on her anytime i could um uh oh, so man, anytime you... i could clothesline those two girls <laughs> uh so uh i was talking to your friend mike Miranda, and he mentioned that you had quite the uh career in football um could you tell us a little bit about your past and and um, what you achieved in uh, that sport? Uh, I played some football. Um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things where uh, we had a little bit of a, a past in football. Uh, I can't really get too much into it because I have uh, – there's a couple things that uh, um, I really don't like to talk about. Um, there was a couple incidents that, uh, that I just am not a fan of, but, um, I definitely will talk about the wrestling business. Okay. Um, my past is, uh, scattered with a lot of, uh, bad things, but, uh, wrestling definitely will be, uh, something that we can talk about. Okay. That's cool, bro. Sure. Um, so, uh, what's to know how you got into pro wrestling, um, and you were uh, trained by your uncle, I believe. No, that's a misconception. Okay. Um, my uncle did not train me. Okay. Um, a guy named Eddie Shark, he was considered the trainer of champions. He, uh, he trained guys like the Road Warriors, Rick Rude, um, Jesse Ventura, uh, the governor of Minneapolis. And uh, yeah, so my uncle did not train me. It's funny, people always ask me, so your uncle trained you? No. My uncle right. was like a mentor to me, but he was never the one that trained me. Um, 
I was actually, I was kind of like the last person that Eddie Sharkey kind of got in the ring with. And then a guy named Charlie Thunderblood Norris kind of broke me into the business. Um, but the one that really kind of taught me a lot in the wrestling, in the wrestling business was a guy named Lenny Lane. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Lenny Lane was, uh, I, uh, I, I owe a lot to Lenny. Lenny was a good guy. He always like taught me the way of the business in the early time in my career. Um, when I was kind of breaking in, like in the late nineties and stuff. Awesome, man. Yeah. We've had Lenny on the show and he's uh, a hell of a guy. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, that misinformation came from your Wikipedia article. So I will, I have an account. Yeah. There. I will edit that and uh, <laughs> I, I will set the story straight. It's it was fun. Eddie yeah. that the Wiki police. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Sharkey is the one that actually trained me. Uh, okay. And I was kind of the last person that Eddie actually, Do you get technical difficulty? Actually, really good train, so he tries. Yeah. Hang on. Uh, everything all right there, Jack? got lost there. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's my connection. It cut out for a second there. Um, you okay? Yeah. Uh, it just, it just, uh, you froze for a second there, and now we, now you're back. So I don't know. Oh, it wasn't my connection. All right, cool. Anyway, it might have been, but uh, it's everything's okay now. <laughs> Uh, over to you, Jack. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Um, so, um, obviously, uh, you weren't trained by your uncle, uh, Richard Martin, but you did actually uh, wrestle alongside him as the Hellraisers, um, as Hellraiser Guts. Um, yes. He was Hellraiser Blood. So, how was that experience for you? I'm sure you would have learned so much from him, and as well as um, having your uncle around, that would have been great, sort of breaking into the business with him. Yeah, he was, uh, he had actually wrestled probably about eight, nine years before me. Um, he was actually, he wrestled with his, his brother and then his brother, uh, gave up the business to, uh, you know, raise a family and, uh, have his life. And my uncle, after I got out of football, my uncle was like, what do you want to do in life? Do you want to wrestle? And I was like, man, I don't want to be no wrestler. You know, I watched you wrestle. And, and to me, I, I was like, huh, I like wrestling. I love watching it, but do I want to get beat up every day? Um, And, uh, but one of my best friends, um, a a guy named Steve, uh, he got me into it. And when I got back from college, he was like, we need to do this. We need to be wrestlers. And I was like, oh man, do I really want to be a wrestler? But he talked me into it. And uh, so my uncle got a hold of Eddie and uh, Eddie trained me. And then after that, my uncle kind of mentored me throughout the first, you know, early part of my career. Without my uncle, you know, I think I would have been taken advantage of, but uh, he was always the one that was always looking out for me and, 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 my, and my buddy Steve too. He always looked out for Steve as well. So I really uh, owe a lot to him. Awesome, man. That's cool. Um, a, a sweet little tidbit I actually noticed um, when we were researching your career is you had a match against uh, Jerry Lynn um, on the 9th of June, 2000 uh, in EC, for ECW. Um, and then again, the next day in Pittsburgh against Julio De Niro. How was that experience at ECW for you? I mean, um, 
I had no idea you actually wrestled in the original ACW. So that's a fucking awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a little backstory to that. Actually, Jerry Lynn was actually in my, my wedding um, right. to my first wife. Um, I actually lived with Jerry for about two years. Um, Jerry's a fantastic guy. I mean, I don't know anybody that could say anything bad about Jerry Lynn. He is a great guy. Um, I owe a lot to Jerry. Jerry's the one that taught me how to be a professional in the professional wrestling business, which is, is a hard thing to do um, in the beginning because you're like so in love. Once you, once you get in the business, at first I was like, man, I don't want to be a wrestler. Wrestler's not cool. But once you're in, you are like in and you love it. And I loved it. I lived every minute of it. Um, and Jerry was one of those people that taught me how to become a professional, a professional wrestler, not just a wrestler, a professional wrestler. And when I'm talking about like, um, don't sell yourself short when it comes to um, the way you work out, the way you train, the way you, the way you uh, hold yourself as a professional. Um, don't sell yourself out when it comes to getting, you know, getting paid. That was one of the things Jerry really taught me, you know, if you have a price, stick to your price and make sure that people will pay you for that. That's right, man. Uh, so how was the uh, sort of experience working for the, in front of that um, ACW crowd? They're a very, very critical crowd. <laughs> oh my gosh. The first time um, it was great. I, I think, I got who's, I think the first time I wrestled the first match I had was against uh uh, it was actually against my buddy, Steve. My buddy, Steve, actually um, was the first person we wrestled, like the first or second match on a, on a house show. And uh, it was great. And then uh, my friend, Steve, uh, needless to say, did not stay in the company very long because he, uh, he likes to party, if you know what I mean. He liked <laughs> to uh, have a good time and uh, kind of rubbed a couple people the wrong way. So they told him that he was no longer uh, wanted there. And, uh, um, I stayed on, uh, for a few more months and, uh, I had a great time until pretty much, until pretty much they told me that they were closing down and, and, uh, moving on. And then, you know, of course, uh, WWE bought them. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great time. Great time. So you were sort of actually, you're actually on the way to actually being on their roster. Um, if they yeah. were down, man, so you would have been there through uh, 2001 and beyond. It would have, yeah, I would have been there actually in the, at the end. At the end there, I was there all the way until the end. Yeah. Um, uh, Kid Cash, I wrestled a couple times. I wrestled uh, Nova, and that's kind of like when Nova was in WWE, that's kind of how I got my uh, foot in the door in WWE when, uh, when Nova was there. Um, uh, Simon Dean, of course, in WWE. Yeah. His yeah. name in WWE, Simon Dean. Um, so that's kind of, you know, but Dreamer, Dreamer had really liked me. He really liked me in uh, EC, the original ECW. He really liked me when I was in WWE. He kind of really pushed for me because at the time when WWE, you know, we're going to go into my WWE career, but they weren't really hiring guys in their thirties. They wanted younger guys. And I was already in my thirties. So he was one of those guys like, come on guys, we need to hire this guy. Cause you know, it's not because he's 30. It's because he knows how to wrestle, even though WWE, screwed up on a lot of those things when my career was in WWE, but whatever. We can talk about that later. 
Yeah. Well, we'll get to it. Um, another awesome little uh, match that I spotted was um, against uh, Nick Mondo in Minnesota. Uh, so Nick Mondo is oh, yeah. an incredible talent. Very short career, though. So how was that match against Nick Mondo? I mean, um, I assume it wasn't a crazy death match because um, I know he's no. a great technical wrestler, too. Um, it's funny. Uh, I love Nick. He's a good dude. Um, and I can't recall the match. It's been so long ago. Um, if I not, if I don't remember, it's probably about freaking 20 years ago. So I can't recall that match. Um, but, uh, I can recall several other matches. Um, you know, I was pretty fortunate coming up in the Indies that I wrestled in a, a organization called steel domain wrestling. Um, Steel Domain Wrestling was like the the home for a lot of guys that were coming up in the wrestling business. Um, the guys that were on our roster were like um, CM Punk, me, Jerry Lynn, uh, Lenny Lane, um, Ken Anderson, um, ODB, um, Austin Aries. Um, these are all guys that were regulars on this show. So we were very fortunate to all be able to wrestle against each other. Um, um, who else can I think? Uh, Brad J, um, Ryan Braddock in WWE. Um, uh, gosh, I could, I could probably go on and on guys or, or anybody that was from Chicago, uh, Minneapolis, Wisconsin, anywhere in that area. If you could work, you were wrestling with us. So I really, I really, uh, appreciate those times that we were able to, uh, you know, punk, when I met Punk, he might have been 16 or 17 years old. So he was just a young guy. And I wasn't, maybe, no, he was, he might have been 18 because he ain't that much younger than me. Because I think I was like 22 or 23. So yeah, he was, I think he's 40. Is he 41? Uh, so about that. You, is about he 41? That? He's in his 40s. But yeah, yeah, he's getting old. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, he's in his 40s. Yeah, but yeah, that's, and he was, I man, he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff back then. And it was, uh, it was just innovative. So yep, he's he 42. That. 42. Yeah. So yeah, I was 22. So he's like 20. So he wasn't that young, but yeah. Um, but yeah, he was a very, very uh, good guy um, back then. Um, we were all really close in that company and we worked probably once a month, if not twice a month for that organization. And most of the time, those guys from Chicago would drive over those six, you know, five or six hours to come wrestle. And it was, we put on a great show and then we'd go over there and wrestle sometimes over there. So it was a real, real good experience. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for you, you know, having been, had the chance to be at the latest stages of ECW, you're right there, you're right on the cusp of possibly getting on television then that's taken away but then you have these great memories in yeah. sdw um, but another great opportunity that i'd seen in my research and i actually watched the match about 40 minutes ago uh 27th of november 2000 on wwf jacked against raven um oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so uh, how did this opportunity come wow. about and what was that experience like you know being uh, you know at the show of shows uh, in the WWE at that point in time, uh, well, I guess it would have been WWF at the time, but. You know, which was funny is because um, if I remember correctly, was ECW, ECW still going on then? Because I think it I was, was still there. Yeah. Yeah. 
so I was working for ECW and then they invited me to do a jacked or whatever, whatever it was back then. Metal. They invited me to do a show. And I remember when I got there, Raven was really cool. He was like, Hey, I want to give you a couple moves, this and that. And I remember them. Um, I remember us doing the match coming back. And I remember them yelling at him because he gave me too much. <laughs> and he was like, and he was like, guys, look at how big this kid is. Like, I can't like, like, you know, beat him up and pin him. And I was like, I was so appreciative of that. He was like, I know they don't want me to let you do too much, but fuck them. We're just going to do, I'm just going to let you do whatever you want. So we'll just let you have a couple moves on me and then we'll, uh, we'll go from there. And I was like, wow, that's super cool. So I was very, I was very happy about that. Um, I remember wrestling uh, another dark match guy named Just Joe. Oh yeah. Um, we love him. Back in WWE. I wrestled him uh, once as well on a dark match. Um, that was, I think that was my first dark match that I ever had. Okay. Um, so, and then it was Raven and, um, but probably the most notable dark match I ever had in WWE that probably not a lot of people know about was Brock Lesnar and Sheldon Benjamin against me and another guy. And Jesse Ventura, the governor of Minnesota, walked them to the ring. Oh, really? Pretty, pretty freaking wild. So wow, that's amazing. That's crazy. Yeah, that's the fourth of June two thousand one. You teamed with a guy called Scotty Zappa. Got Zappa. Yep. He was uh, he was a guy from Minneapolis, and it was uh, that was probably the funnest time. I mean, I had had some. I you know after that, I had some fun times, but at that moment in my life, I was like, wow. This is crazy because the place went fucking bananas. Oh, yeah. So can I say fucking? I'm of sorry. course, oh, yeah. of course. But yeah, <laughs> they went bananas, and uh, it was just such a such a great experience for me. Yeah, cool, bro. And and we're Australian, so you can fucking swear as much as you want. Um. <laughs> I I like to swear, so uh, yeah. Um, my second life, I work at a strip club, so. You know, I see, I see pussy all the time. So like, I, I can swear a lot. So I apologize. I apologize. So if I say that, I, I apologize. <laughs> um, did they give you any feedback back then? Um, you know, I guess they're giving you opportunities to dark <sighs> matches. Uh, do you remember? Yeah, that was kind of the, you know, there was a period in time. My uh, first son was born in 2002. And during that time, I was trying to juggle being a father for the first time and and uh, being a wrestler and uh, with all the, every time I would go to a dark match and I would get all this great feedback and they're like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to hire you or we're going to, we're going to do this for you. We're going to bring you down and do it, have a tryout in OVW. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. And then I would call the, I'd call them and be like, no, we don't really got anything for you right now. Just stay in touch and we'll try to work something out. And then after a while I was like, Oh God. Yeah. You know, it got, it got frustrating and then it kind of boiled over in 2001 when Lesnar, when I wrestled, when I wrestled Brock and Sheldon, um, Brock and Sheldon, we had a good, great match. Uh, Brock wanted to wrestle me the next night in North Dakota. He was like, Hey man, I want to wrestle him the next night in North Dakota. So they asked me to come to North Dakota and do a show and wrestle Brock. And, uh, and the Briscoe brothers were actually our agents 
because they were looking over Brock's career and making sure that he was doing the right things uh, while he was coming up in the company before he debuted. This is when he was actually wearing his University of Minnesota, like ring trunks, his uh, singlet way back then. And uh, (laughs) so it was, and then after that match, they were like, oh my God, you're going to, and then even Brock was like, you're going to get a job where they're going to hire you. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm so excited. I, I remember calling back like a week later because they're like, give us like a week and we're going to get everything worked out for your tryout. So I was like, give them a week. They don't call me back. I call them another week. They don't call me back. And I'm just like, I'm kind of frustrated by then. And then I did a, another show for TNA in Nashville. And I did a tag team match with Mr. Kennedy me and outside the ring was ODB. We did a tag match with some local guys uh, in, you know, on a dark match. And they did the same thing to me. They're like, you know, we're going to, we're going to bring you in. We just, you got to give us like a week or two to get everything worked out. It's going to be, we want to make you and Ken Anderson, the new DX. And I was like, man, I'm like hearing this every time. Yeah, You are feeding us some shit. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. So I remember coming home, giving them a call, them not calling me back, giving them a call again, them not calling me back. And then I was just like, okay, do I want to be a wrestler and go through this shit for many years? Or do I want to, or do I want to be a father? And for probably about two, about 18 months, I chose being a father. I gave up the wrestling business. Okay. And, And I was like, I want to be, I want to be a dad. And I don't regret it at all. Um, and then I stayed away from the business because I knew if I would go back and see a match, I'd want to be a goddamn wrestler. <laughs> right, yeah. So I stayed away. And it was funny because I was in downtown Minneapolis and there would be a local indie show that would always wrestle at First Avenue. It was a place that actually Prince used to own. It was right across the street from the Target Center in Minneapolis. And I was literally drinking one night and I walked by first Avenue and I like see this ring ring truck. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, and I look over and it says wrestling tonight. I'm like, Oh shit. Cool. So I like walk in and uh, I paid the cover. I just walked in and then a bunch of like the indie guys were like a bunch of the guys that were local guys were like, Justin, what are you doing here? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, Hey man, I was just freaking passing by. And they're like, stop it. I'm like, no, really? I was passing by. (laughs) I am like half in the bag right now. And I like see a ring truck and I just walk in the building. And then we, uh, I was like watching the matches and I was just like, fuck, I need to do this again. Yeah. (laughs) Oh God, I need to do this again. And I remember the next month I was on the same show and Sheldon Benjamin was there. Cause dude, it'd be crazy. Sheldon Benjamin would show up to like local shows when he was off the road. And, uh, I remember I, I was like talking to him before the match and he's like, Hey, where the fuck you been? And I was like, I just told him my, I just told him the whole deal. And he was like, no, I get it. He goes, I totally get it. And, uh, you know, I understand you want to be a dad and everything, but he goes, you were born to be a wrestler. It's exactly what he said to me. You were born to be a wrestler, be a fucking wrestler. And then I wrestled my match and he was like, he was like, 
Justin, you need to be a wrestler and I'm going to get you a job. So he literally uh, called Mark Carano, uh, who was part of talent at the time, then John Laurinaitis. And uh, I had a tryout in like uh, Nebraska, I think it was. I think it was like uh, somewhere in Nebraska. I think Omaha, Nebraska or somewhere. It might have been South Dakota, Nebraska area, Iowa, somewhere like that. And uh, that's when they finally, they were like, hey, we're going to give you a tryout and you're going to go to Deep South. And he goes, we can hire you in Deep South. And I was thinking to myself, fuck, Atlanta? I don't know if I want to go to Atlanta. I'm not really an Atlanta guy. But uh, um, that's where I ended up going. And I stayed there. I was supposed to be there for four days. I ended up staying there for like 11 or 12 days um, because they actually had uh, they actually had SmackDown and Raw um, the second week I was there in Atlanta and in Columbus, uh, Columbus, Georgia. Is that right? Columbus, Georgia. Yeah. yeah. In Columbus, Georgia. And yeah, that's where it all started for me. They actually, and what's funny is, uh, and then it happened again. So they, uh, I did, I was there for like, like 11 days, 12 days. I, they hired me. They hired me. Um, me and John Laurinaitis are talking over the contract, um, like the stipulations of everything. And I don't know what happened or who heard it because at the time I'm like 30, you know, I'm 30 some years old. And at the time WWE was giving out like $500 a week contracts. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't work for 500 a week. Yeah. I have kids and I wasn't going to do it. So I told them, I said, I needed at least 750 because at the time, I had a job where I was making like 80 grand a year. So why yeah. am I going to give up an $80,000 a year job for 25 grand a year? Yeah. I mean, I got to get something. So I told him, I said, I'll do it for 750. So I'm taking a risk, but within, within 90 days, I want to get bumped to a thousand a week. And I said, because I can, I can, I can live on that because I can, I can, I can't, you know, I had house and stuff like that back in Minneapolis and, uh, but I can live on that, but I can't live on the, the, I can't live on like 500 a week. Yeah. I just can't, why? you know, no. because, you know, and I remember them going, yep, we're going to hire you. Them calling me the next day, telling, remember John Laurinaitis calling me the next day going, and dude, I almost put in my two week notice. I almost quit my job. And John Laurinaitis calls me. He's like, Hey kid. Uh, you know, uh, you're We were going to hire you, but I, you know, someone overheard the conversation and got butt hurt about how much I was going to pay you. And, uh, we can't bring you in now. I was like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? Wow. Are you fucking kidding me right now? And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Just stay in touch. Dude, I remember calling Ken Anderson and going, what the fuck kind of Mickey Mouse organization am I going to try to get into here? And Ken's like, Justin, stay calm. He goes, email John and just thank him for, you know, the opportunity. And I was, I told Ken, I was like, fuck him, man. Fuck that dude. And he was like, no, 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 no. He goes, he goes, Justin, trust me. <laughs> just email him and tell him, thank him for the opportunity. And, uh, and then, you know, if they have anything, you know, you'd be willing to, uh, 
to, uh, you know, go there. And I go, and at first I was like, man, fuck this shit. I ain't doing this. And, uh, I'm not fucking giving up my money, my job. And it's a secure job for, you know, 80 grand, you know, for 25 grand a year Yeah. or, you know, and all this shit. And so I sent him this email. Um, I don't know, maybe dude, it was like a week and a half goes by. John emails me back and says, thank you very much. He goes, I appreciate it. He goes, if we have anything, I definitely will definitely stay in touch. And I was like, thanks, John. But I really want to say, fuck you, John. <laughs> but uh, I, I, di- I didn't. So um, probably another week and a half goes by and Ken calls me and he goes, hey, has John been trying to call you? And I'm like, yeah. I go, I mean, no, he hasn't been trying to call me. And he goes, no, he's been trying to call you. And I go, well, my phone hasn't rang. And I had the same number for like nine years. So <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you. Oh my God. And I know he has my number because we talked. He call, he's called me before. And he goes, well, call him back. And I go, okay. Well, I'm thinking this in my head. I did not say that to Ken. I'm just thinking this in my head. I'm like, I'm still mad about the guy. I'm like, man, fuck this dude. But okay. So I call him back. And uh, I go, hey, Mr. Laurinaitis, it's Justin. And he's like, he's like, hey, kid, uh, we want to, uh, we want to hire you. We want to bring you in. <laughs> and I'm like, really? But uh, just so you know, we can't bring you in for the 750 a week. We got to do it for 500. And I'm thinking, this motherfucker, you're really trying to call me, trying to offer me a job. And uh, at the time I was still married, me and my wife were still married. And I, I called my wife up and I'm like, so what do you want to do? And she's like, don't, if you take $500, I'll fucking kill you. And I was like, uh, okay. So I remember, uh, I remember thinking, can I go, I go, John, I need to call, I need to call you back. I need to call you back. So I need to speak to, you know, some people about this. And I just remember, you know, my mother, when I was younger, um, you know, when we were talking about stuff earlier about uh, my football career and stuff like that, I had a lot of tragedy that happened during that time with my mother. My mother passed away tragically and it's just stuff I just don't like to talk about. I'm sorry. I didn't want to really get into indulge in that stuff. No, that's but, fine. That's fine. Um, I'm totally fine. It just brings, it just kind of brings back, you know, sad memories of uh, my life back then. Um, my mother was tragically killed back then. So a lot of people don't know that. And, uh, but, you know, I remember, you know, going back to the John Laurinaitis thing, I remember thinking my mom didn't want to ever have me working in a factory. She's like, for anything that you do in your life, do not work in a fucking factory. I don't want you to do that. So I remember calling my wife up and I was like, you know, can, I think I'm going to take this job. And she's like, she's like, you know what? I think you should do it. And I was like, you sure? And she's like, yeah, you should do it. And I'm like, okay. And the funny thing was that she wasn't telling me that she was leaving me. Oh, fuck. So, yeah. So when I took the job, my wife moved out. And I remember I had like a month to move to uh, Louisville. And I had to make a choice, you know, quit my job, move to Louisville and lose my wife or go in the wrestling business. And of course I chose the wrestling business. <laughs> Fucking hell wrestling. 
Do it again. Man, usually the marriage is the casualty once someone's been on the road for years and they distance from each other. This is just you just finally just getting the, the, the job in the first place in it. It, yeah. And she was like, crazy. you know, I've, I've been down, she's like, I've been through this road with you and I know how much this makes you happy. And I just, I just don't want to move out of state. She goes, if you would have, you know, got a job where you weren't able to move out of state, I think we'd have been able to make this work. And I was like, we, I'm like, Hey, you knew there was a possibility that I'd have to move. I'm not saying it's going to happen forever, but I have to move out of state. And she was always, she was like, yeah, but I don't think this is right for me. And I go, I'm going to be back in six months. And it's been like, you know, 2000, the beginning of 2006, I still haven't been back to Minnesota. So I think she was right. It's been 14 years that I haven't been back. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, wow. That's, yeah, it's been a long, long time. Yeah, man. Well, that, that was a fantastic story. We love those like behind the scenes things and stories of that nature. So that was a really great story. Thanks for sharing that with us. Um, yeah, so man. I guess you, you go into OVW in 2006. And my question I was, did. Remember, how did that opportunity come about? But you've just told us. Um, so, it, yeah. I remember uh, it was funny because they told me that I had to go to Deep South at first. And I told them because of where I was from and the fact that I would be able to drive home to see my kids, to see my kid, my son at the time. I have kids now, but I had a kid then um, because of OVW being only about eight or nine hours away from Minneapolis in, in Louisville um, in, in Louisville, they call it the Vole. Um, I, uh, I chose Louisville. Um, they gave me the opportunity to choose. At first, they wanted me to go to Deep South, but I was like, you know, if I'm going to take less money, you got to give me an opportunity to to choose. And I actually, at that time, I was talking to Dreamer on the phone, and I told Dreamer that. Um, he was like, yeah. He goes, if you want to go to OVW, completely fine. And he goes, to be honest with you, man, he goes, he goes, OVW has has a lot of wrestling shows, and he goes, Deep South really doesn't have a lot of wrestling shows. So he goes, and you're kind of older, so you know, it's probably best that, you know, you go to OVW because, you know, guys are, you know, he told me straight out, man, guys are getting beat up over in deep South. And, and I was like, Ooh, I don't want to get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll, uh, I'll choose OVW. And, but I'm, I gotta give a shout out to Bill DeMont. Bill DeMont. Um, he really pushed for me to get hired as well. When I had my tryout in deep South, um, Bill DeMont, um, I know there's a stigmatism on Bill because of his training tactics and whatnot, but uh, you know, people have a lot of bad things to say about Bill, but Bill was nothing but awesome to me. Um, I can't really say anything bad about Bill DeMont. Um, he was really, he really uh, talked to me and uh, really pushed me to uh, get a job there. And I really appreciate that Bill uh, did that for me. That's awesome, awesome man. Bro. Um, Jack, uh, I know you had a set of questions there, but uh, Bam I've is already, pretty much... I've already sorted and done it all my document. Okay, I'm, going, cool. I'm, I'm going with it, so. <laughs> so um, is it back to me then? Yeah, if, yeah go for yep. it, man. Sure. So uh, what was the first day uh, backstage in WWE like? And also walk us through a typical week um, of what it was like to be a WWE superstar. Um, you know, it's funny. When... When I was living in Louisville, I, uh, 
they were, they were, they were talking about moving us to uh, Florida. Um, this is right before I debuted. And I was like, and they were talking about putting me on the road at that time. And I was like, um, if you're going to put me on the road, can I just stay in Louisville? And they're like, no, we need you to be in deep. We need you to be in Florida. And I'm like, you're going to move me all the way to Florida. And I guarantee you're going to put me on the, on the main roster. And then I'm going to be in Florida where at the time I didn't want to be, um, even though I love Florida now, I still live in Florida. Um, but I liked Louisville because it was kind of college town and it was really, uh, really a great place to, to, to be, you know, and I really like Louisville. So, um, I remember, I remember when we moved, I go, yeah, are you going to move me on the main roster? And they're like, no, we don't plan on it, dude. It was like, I think I was there for 10 days and they're like, Oh, we're debuting you. <laughs> and I'm like, motherfuckers, man, you guys love the fuck me. Old. And I'm like, I'm like, I was just like, I tried to stay calm, but I, I, I was going to do a Kevin Kelly nail situation where I was going to start fucking choking people, but I did not want to do that. And I wanted to stay calm. You know, who Kevin Kelly is yeah. yeah. situation Kevin with Vince James. where he choked Vince out. No, I didn't know Kevin that. No, I don't know this. Oh, Kevin Kelly is his name is Nails. He was Nails. Oh, in, uh, Nails. Back in oh, WWF. Commentator. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I think yeah. No, 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 no. Not commentator. <laughs> I was going to say Nails. I wouldn't think that, that Kevin Kelly would do it. Yeah. No, Nails. Yeah. Kevin Kelly Nails choked out Vince a long time ago, and he's basically been blackballed out of WWE ever since. And <laughs> at, at one point, I wanted to pull a Kevin Kelly, that Kevin Kelly, and uh, choke somebody. <laughs> Needless to say. So going to your question, the first day I was, uh, I was there in WWE, uh, they go, go talk to uh, Barry Windham and figure out what you're going to do. So I'm like, okay. So Barry Windham, he says, sit down, kid. I'm like, all right, man. And he goes, uh, he goes, you know how to speak Spanish, right? I was like, what? He goes, you know how to speak Spanish? I was like, No. And he's like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. And I go, what am I doing? He goes, well, you're going you're gonna to be a bodyguard for Chavo Guerrero. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, that's cool. And he goes, uh, so what you're going to do is uh, we're going to have you go to the ring and, uh, and uh, jump cane. I was like, really? <laughs> and he's, yeah. like, he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, this sounds like this is going to be, you know, at that time, they really weren't debuting people with a lot of fire. Yeah. You know, they were just debuting people with some matches. You know, when WWE was going on at that time, they didn't know what to do with a lot of us guys. They wanted to debut us, but they didn't have any, like, direction. And I remember going there going, man, if this debut, if I debut against somebody like Triple H and get my ass kicked in, like, 12 seconds, this is not going to be cool. So, but they were like, yeah, you're going to debut. We're going to we're going to have you uh, um, jump cane. And I go, okay, cool. That's awesome. Fucking whatever you guys want to do. And I remember sitting there talking to Glenn and Glenn was fucking amazing. He was like, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to hit me as hard as you can with the ECW belt. I was like, what? And he's like, you know, safely though, safely. And I was like, okay. But he goes, I want you to swing it. If you, if anything happens and, and you bust me open, don't worry about it, okay? Don't worry about it. It's good TV. 
And I remember going, okay, okay, let's, uh, I'll do whatever you want me to do. So I remember us going through all this. And uh, I remember going to the ring, like getting ready to go to the ring uh, to debut. They're already outside talking. And I remember, I remember Shawn Michaels walking up to me and being like, this is where you need to make an impact. This is where you really need to make an impact. You really need to tear him out. And I'm thinking to myself, either this guy's working me or he really wants me to nail him. So, okay, I'm going to go out there and try to make an impact. And uh, he goes, do your best, man. Good, good luck. And I was like, all right. And I never said more than one word to, to Shawn Michaels ever in my career before that. <laughs> so it was just like, hey, hello, how are you? And it was like, hey, how are you? And then him like saying that to me was like getting me all pumped up. <laughs> and I remember, I remember walking to the ring and, uh, and them jumping, you know, I remember jumping him and I remember hitting, I remember hitting Kane with the belt and going, Oh fuck. I just busted him open. I'm, <laughs> <No way. laughs> I'm like, shit. And he's like, keep hitting me, keep hitting me. And I'm like, and I'm hitting him. I'm like, you're bleeding. I'm sorry. He goes, keep going. And I remember it was, a, it was such a, it was such a great experience. And uh, I, uh, I'll remember that for probably till the day I die. He was, Man. he was, uh, he was such a sport, good sport about that. And he, he really tried for me. You know, he really, he really did try for me. He was a good guy. He is a good guy. It's not like he's dead. He's, he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Kane's awesome, man. Um, that would have been such a surreal experience. I mean, we were talking about it early and just being like, imagine finally getting to WWE and the first thing you do is you're beating down Kane. Like, crazy <laughs> yeah. moment, man. Uh, I, I know. I remember going, fuck, this is amazing. I remember hitting him going, this is where I need to be. This is this where is I should have been five years ago. They wouldn't have fucked me over. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so who came up with the name uh, Bam Neely? Oh, so I remember we were sitting in, uh, I remember we, sit, we, we I debuted in Boston. Yep. And uh, we were trying to come up with a name. Like they gave me all kinds of names because the name I had uh, in FCW and OVW is just in the Ox LaRoche. And it was like, what do you, you know, cause on the Indies, my wrestling name is Magnus Maximus. And then when I got to OVW, it was okay. We can't use Magnus cause Magnus, we've already had a Magnus here. So I came up with Justin the Ox LaRoche. So when I debuted in WWE, it was like, okay, um, what are we going to name him? And they gave me, they gave me like 20 names and all of them were fucking lame. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, man, what the fuck? And me and John Laurinaitis were just sitting there with Arn Anderson and Arn's like, how about Bam? Like Bam Bam. He's, you know, you're bald. You look like, you kind of look like Bam Bam. And I'm like, okay, I like Bam. That's cool. That's a cool name. And then, uh, and then Laurinaitis was like looking around. He's like, how about Neely? Like Cam Neely, you know? And I was like, Bam Neely. And he goes, yeah. And then Vince is like yelling it out. Bam Neely. Yeah. I fucking like that name. Bam Neely. And I was like, all right, cool. And then Vince is like, Vince is like introducing it. Like, like, uh, <laughs> like Howard Finkel. He was like introducing it like, bam neely and i was like what the <laughs> fuck is going on here i'm like all right cool and then vince is like yeah he goes we need to get you a suit and i was like what he's like we need to get you a suit and i'm like uh okay 
okay, that's cool. What, whatever you want. I'm like, I'll start out. He goes, I want you to start out in a suit. And I go, okay, cool. We can do that. So they went and they ran to the store and bought me a suit. And, uh, that's, um, that's the first thing that they did. And, uh, that's how I debuted in the suit. Um, that was not my suit. It was actually given to me by a production person. They went out, they ran to the store and bought it. And, uh, the border guard gimmick, I had no idea even what the hell that was. Um, <laughs> when they said I was like a border guard, I'm like, all right, whatever. As long as, as long as I get in this ring and get to work and wrestle, totally awesome. And then yeah. I realized, you know, months later, I wasn't going to be a wrestler and I was going to just, you know, you know, be with Chavo. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of like getting in the ring, uh, I watched this earlier. It was your TV debut in the ring. You and Chavo in a handicap match against Kane on ECW on Sci-Fi. Tell me a little bit yeah. about your first television match that you had at this point as Bam Neely. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to say the least because they didn't know if they wanted to have me in wrestling gear or if they wanted to have me in a suit. And Chavo was like, guys, just let him be in the suit for now. And then if we want to get him in like, you know, pants or whatnot, we'll move to that situation later. And at first they were like, no, no, no. He needs to be in trunks and, and wrestling gear. And Chavo goes, then what the, then why are you making him a border guard? Like <laughs> he needs to, you know what I mean? Why say he's a border guard? The guy has wrestling trunks and wrestling boots the, the next week. Like, yeah, come on, exactly. man, let's try to live the gimmick. And, and Chavo was trying to push that, but they were just at that time in the business, they were just so fucking, they were so crazy because, you know, two weeks later after that, I debuted in trunks and, and everything. And I'm like, you know, I always laugh because, you know, 10 years later, 10 years later, everybody's wearing shirts, everybody's wearing pants. Nobody's wearing, nobody wears like trunks anymore you know what i mean yeah so it's like they were so hell-bent on everybody being in trunks everybody's gotta be in trunks and i was like that's not my gimmick though my gimmick is kind of like i should be in work pants and like uh and honestly i was i i i, I pitched to them uh the flap jacket gimmick where i could wear a flap jack flap jacket you kind of like um roman reigns right probably you know not as not as nice as roman but they were like no you can't wear that Dude, fucking three years after I left there, they fucking had Roman and, and, and those so guys much. in that fucking gimmick. Yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck, man? Like, come on. So that, that, that's the part that pissed me off. I was just like, shit, man. You know, you, you tell me that I can't, you, we just can't do that. What do you mean we can't do that? You don't want to do that or we can't do that. <laughs> and it was more like, oh, I don't know. And then it was so... Like I said, I'll, I'll keep going back to the fact that, that there was so much miscommunication at that time in the company. Mm, wow. Like so much miscommunication. Like I remember having a conversation with Vince like a month into the gimmick and he was like, you know, the first night they were like, we don't want you taking any bumps. And then it was the next two weeks later, they're like, oh, we want you taking bumps. And then Vince like a month later being like, oh, why are you taking bumps? We didn't want you to take any bumps. Yeah. We didn't want you. And I'm just like, well, fucking tell the agents, you know, and don't get me wrong. It wasn't, you know, I'm not going to throw agents under the bus because I liked all the agents I had, but I think it was the higher ups, even higher than them who were, 
who were telling them, okay, who were telling them, okay, we want him to take bumps because we know he can, he can take bumps and he knows how to wrestle because they had heard that. Yeah. And that's the part that was like very frustrating to me as a person that if you're going to build me up as a, as this big guy, then build me up that way or don't and just let me be me because in the beginning they were like, don't talk. We don't want you to talk. And I'm just like, that's not me though, man. I'm a shit talker. That's what I do. I'm really good at it. I'll shit talk all day and I'll get you pissed off at me. And that's where it was that the miscommunication where we, they were just like, they didn't know what to do with me in the beginning. And it was kind of me and Chavo were just doing it as we went. And I give a lot of credit to Chavo because, you know, till this day, me and Chavo are still close. If Chavo calls me, I'll answer the phone. I, I feel like if I called him, he'd answer the phone. He's such a, an amazing guy. And I appreciate every minute that I had with him. Oh, that's awesome, man. And, and, cool. and Jack, I mean, this is evidence right here. This is where it's all beginning to go downhill. That's why in 2020 or 2021, shit is still happening on television that doesn't make any sense. And I just yeah. feel like the red tape behind the scenes the is just is so They're thick. all getting paid a lot more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. And they've and, got people writing you know, the they, shows that don't know anything about wrestling. Yeah, it's yeah, just like, it just seems like behind the scenes, backstage, miscommunication, yet yeah. an idea starts from here and by the time it gets to completion, it's changed so much because so many people are thrown in their two cents and by the end of it, no one knows what's going on. That's why I think so much is wrong today and it seems like back then, this is where it's starting to begin. Yeah, so. you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, Ryan Braddock, uh, Brad J, he was my... Uh, he was my roommate. Like we lived together in Florida and he debuted against big show. Who the fuck debuts against big show? Terrible. Like, idea. come on. <laughs> you know, it's like, you want to fucking kill a guy's career right away. You fucking debut him against big show. Really? Yeah. Come on, man. You want him to get over. So you debut him against big show. Yeah. Good fucking decision. And then big show's like, what the hell? What am I, what am I doing? Like what you're debuting right now and you're debuting against me. Even big show was like, what the fuck is going on? You know, yeah. it was like, um, one of the agents that was, um, one of the writers, not agents, but one of the writers at the time was Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. Freddie Prince Jr. Was the agent when I was there and, you know, we, he had all these great ideas for La Familia. Are you rolling a joint, man? That's fucking cool. <laughs> no, really it's just, joint? it's just tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> this guy really rolling a joint? I'm like, Oh my God, this is a great show. Um, oh man. I could have lied, um, so, but I didn't, I didn't want I, I had to disappoint you there. I didn't want to lie. No, it's okay. Um, <laughs> so Freddie Prince jr. Was there and he had all these great ideas for La Familia. And we were like going through all these things with like band with my character and Chavo and, you know, and, and with, with edge and, and Vicky and Hawkins and Ryder you know, it's funny is it because I had a big feud against Hawkins and Ryder and OVW and then I debuted in WWE and I'm their partner. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm buddies with them. So it was kind of <laughs> ironic. It's funny, you know, but needless to say, you know, Freddie Prince had all these great ideas and every single idea he had was shot down. And then you wonder why he quit. Yeah. You know what I mean? He quit. He was only there for a small, you have Freddie Prince Jr., a guy that has done a lot of producing, a lot of story writing in the movie industry, and you just 
cast him aside because you're, you think your ideas are better. I'm sorry, man. You had a brainiac when it comes to story in the building and you guys just threw him aside and you made him quit. You didn't, he didn't, you didn't fire him. You made him quit. And that was really, really sad. And then at that point when that happened, I was just like, man, this is, this isn't good. When they, when he ended up quitting, cause I remember him coming up to me and cause we'd always, me and him would always talk every single SmackDown and raw. We'd have conversations because he had all kinds of great ideas for my character and like things that we could do. And we kind of like would throw ideas back and forth at each other. And I thought some of the stuff that he had was great. Um, I remember him throwing an idea at me that I was, I had a split personality and I thought that, you know, we would, I would branch off from Chavo and I thought that I had, I was working for somebody else and I actually was working for myself. I was actually like insane. So, and we, it was great, man. He had like all these vignettes set up and it was, it was a great, great thing, but WWE just cast it aside and didn't want anything to do with it. And then they, they have the fiend now, which is kind of the same fucking game. Oh my God. Even though Bray, Bray's my boy, man. Me and Bray, he's a good dude, man. Really good guy. He come. He still lives in Florida here, and he we come and we see each other every you know every few months. So he's a good dude. That's awesome. cool, man. But, um, yeah. Ah, cool, man. Great, great insight once again. Uh, another interesting tidbit I saw was you working with the Big Show on some house shows. Uh, I just yeah. wanted to see what it was like working with the big show. Cause I know the big show was under the learning tree of the undertaker. So when another big man comes in, I can totally see big show, uh, working with you and, and, and hopefully trying to help you out along the way. Um, how was that? Yeah, big, show was, big, show was, big show was great, man. He was, uh, he was always, uh, had a lot of knowledge and it, it really, it really, it was sad because, um, we wrestled a dark match for SummerSlam. Mm. me and big show wrestled a dark match for SummerSlam, and that same night big show was supposed to jump undertaker to set up for i think survivor series or one of the big pay-per-views i don't remember exactly which one it was but he was like you know him and vince talked over the match with me and show how we wanted it to be done and big show was like oh, i want to give you a little bit more um but I can't give you too much because I have to do this thing with Undertaker. And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. So I remember we had a match and uh, it went over really well. Um, um, but it was only like, I think it might've been like 10 minutes, you know, maybe 11 minutes. And they were very upset with him on the time. They wanted to go like 18 to 20 minutes and uh, they wanted Chavo more involved, but I understood what show was trying to do. Um, he was trying to make sure that that later in the show that his he was going to get he was going to get over with Taker and because uh, we had just got out of a feud with Taker at that time and he wanted to have his good feud with Taker so I got it but show out you know show was amazing to me because um, when you're coming up in the wrestling business you know you don't make a lot of money you know and you don't have a lot of perks that the big stars have, you know, you don't, the hotels and the cars and all these things that the, that the, uh, the wrestlers have the, the, you know, the top guys have, you don't have access to that. Like you're sharing more, more times than not when you're coming up, you're sharing a car with two or three people. 
um, I was fortunate enough to be traveling with Chavo most of the time. So me and Chavo and we'd always have like Chuck Palumbo in the car and uh, we'd have a few other wrestlers in the car with us. And I would have a great time. I usually was the driver because I didn't drink. So I've changed that narrative now, but, um, (laughs) um, but yeah, at that time I really didn't do much drinking. Um, So I was mostly the designated driver. And then uh, big show would always give us his rent a car. Like he would always like be done. If he didn't go to TV, he would always rent the car for like two extra days. And he would have this big, huge monster SUV. Wow. And we would always be traveling in this like small compact, you know, comp, like a mid-sized car. Yeah. And, ch- and he would always be like, Hey, bam, you want my SUV for the next couple of days? I'm like, just drop it off at the airport. I'm like, all right, cool, man. So he'd always give me his cars. He let me stay in his rooms. Like he was, he was super cool to me, man. He was, he was always really nice to me. And I was really appreciative of that. Oh, that's cool. Man. I had a, I, I have a funny story with, uh, with big show. <laughs> Go for it, um, <laughs> he's like, we were doing a six man tag and it was me and Chavo and I think Mark Henry. And it was, I think it was big show triple H and I think CM Punk was in the match and big show did a sunset flip on Chavo. Not oh. Chavo did one to big show. Big show did it to Chavo. That's ridiculous. And it was the funniest fucking shit ever. We dude, we, <laughs> we laughed our fucking asses off for like, for like an hour it was hilarious hilarious hold on one second i gotta plug in my uh i gotta plug in my my headphones i don't know they're dying on me i guess <laughs> can you see me yeah you can still say it if these things come off i'll just talk to you guys through the speaker on this thing all right hold on one second sure give me one second this room thing can you can you hear me guys yep yep all good all right cool sorry about that but yeah big show was a great guy yeah cool bro he's a good super good guy uh over to you jack uh there's a little story here about australia that we'd like to hear from sure yeah Uh, yeah. you you did an australian house show in sydney with uh the undertaker and kane how was your experience i did it was good um it was, uh, there was a couple other funny things, you know, we, um, we got to the building. We had no idea. It was me and Chavo. We got to the building and they were like, yeah, it's going to be, uh, you and Chavo against Kane and Taker. I was like, what? <laughs> and it like, like 20 some thousand people and we're like, uh, excuse me. It's just us two. And he's like, yeah. And as the night, as the day went on, I remember just like walking by Taker and I'm like, he's like, yeah, we're going to talk later. And I'm like, okay, cool. And, uh, he's like, and he just keeps walking by me and walking by me. And I'm just like, what the fuck is he going to talk to me? Like we're getting close, pretty close to this match and we got to figure this shit out. And he's like, all right. He goes, uh, he goes, we'll just go in there and just, we'll just wing it. And I was like, uh, Oh, oh, okay. We'll, we'll wing it. And I'm thinking this is undertaker. If I do anything fucked up to him, he's going to kill me. And I'm like, Oh God, he's going to kill me. So I'm just like, I kind of was, he, he wanted to see if I was going to get stressed out, but I was staying very calm. And I remember just watching the monitor and just chilling out. 
And eventually he came up to me and like, we talked and uh, he was very cool and we had a great match. Um, it, but what happened was as the day went on, they ended up adding um, uh, Kali to the match. Right. It was me and Kali. And it kind of upset me because I wanted it to just be me and Chavo um, against Kane and Taker, which I don't know if they thought that Kali was going to make it better because he was a bigger guy, but it, you know, and I love Kali, but at that time he wasn't in the best shape when I talked to his body wasn't in the best shape. Um, and he was hurting a lot and, uh, it didn't actually help the match. It actually hurt the match. Um, but, you know, I had a great experience couple, you know, I had a good time in the ring with those two guys. And I remember him coming back to the, to the back and looking at me and he goes, you're ready to go. He's like, he's like, you're ready to go. You can, uh, I'm, we're going to, we're going to get you going. And when Taker says that to you, he gives you like that vote of confidence. Um, that's when you know that you're, uh, you've actually somewhat arrived. You still got to do more. But you've, you've, if you get that vote of confidence from him, you're, you're pretty much good. Awesome. Um, so what was also like the most frustrating thing about the company at the time? I mean, you've kind of listed a lot of them, but was there one thing that just ultimately really just at the end of the day, like this would just be the one thing that would just piss you right off. Like what was the most frustrating thing uh, that you could sort of uh, think of about the company in 2008? You know, I remember... I remember sitting, it was probably the last part, probably maybe a f couple months before my time was up there. And, you know, my contract was coming to an end at that time. And uh, we were talking about renewing my contract. And I remember, I remember we kind of negotiated what we were going to do. And Vince walks up to me and he goes, um, he looks at me and he goes, you know, you are the worst bodyguard that this company's ever had. What? And I looked at him and I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And I'm like thinking in my head, are you fucking kidding me right now? And he's like, you need to show me something tonight. You need to show me some fire. And I said to Vince, I go, Vince, if you didn't have every agent tell me to fucking, he goes, I didn't want you bumping all over the place. And I said, you should tell every agent that keeps telling me to bump all over the place to fucking not. I said, you're the one that told me, they're the ones that telling me to fucking bump. I'm telling, I am being told what to do and I'm fucking doing it. So maybe you should, you, maybe the people here should just figure it out and try to get their shit straight. And Chavo's like, looks at Vince and he's like, yeah, Vince, he goes, he goes, we're trying here. Like this is, you've got, you guys change the narrative every week. Yeah. So he stuck up. For and that's when we had the, the thing where Chavo wrestled, wrestled our truth. And after the match, I kind of fucked Chavo by accident. I ended up fucking Chavo by accident. I remember Chavo pushing me. And I remember pushing him back and I figured, okay, maybe we can have like a, a little mini feud, me and Chavo. And I remember the next week we get into the building and me and Chavo are like, yeah, maybe we can have a little feud and uh, you can go off and do your own thing. And he goes, I can do my own thing. But they both go, no, we want you both as heels. So we're not going to do that. And I was like, okay. And he goes, Justin, we have, bam, we have a different direction. We're going to go with you. And uh, we want you to be a heel still. And I go, and Chavo's like, don't let me be a baby face. And we can have a little, like, 
you know, a little something, something, I can get him over as a big, bad heel. Yeah. Because Chavo was trying to push for me. He was really trying to push for me to get over as a heel. And he goes, and then I'll change the narrative. He goes, like, in a month. He goes, he goes I can be hated. He goes, I can be liked for a little bit, and then I can be hated. He goes, it's okay. We'll change it back. And they're like, no, 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 that's not what we want to do. And I was just, and they were just like, oh, my God. And that's, that was the frustrating part was, like, they just didn't have any direction. It was like I would watch all my, you know, the guys that I really, you know, I really liked in developmental, like Sean Spears, Colt Cabana, you know, Bradley J, J, uh, Ryan Braddock. They just fucked their whole goddamn careers up in that company because they had no direction. It just was a constant battle of, okay, what are we going to do with this guy this week? If you don't know what you're going to do with that guy, don't fucking do anything. Don't put him on TV. Don't do that with that guy. And that was the frustrating. Like, it was, it was so frustrating. And then it boiled over for me at the end um, when I, you know, I, I can't remember my last match. I think I did, like, a six-man tag. They were like, they're like, we're going to have you go back to FCW. And I was like, okay. And he goes, we're going to have you go with Dusty and learn how to do a new gimmick. And I was like, well, okay. I said, sure. And he goes, from now on, I want, we want you to go back there and work on your new gimmick and we're going to try to renegotiate a contract with you. So I remember them trying to renegotiate a contract with me. It was like, I think they wanted to go from like 50,000 a year, even though I was making more money because I was on the road all the time. Um, was, was they called it a downside. Um, they wanted to go like 75 and I was just like, man, can, I told, I remember telling John, I'm like, John, I need to get at least a hundred. I need at least a hundred grand. And it's so funny because most of the guys that, that are on TV now are making like 400 grand. Yeah. They're downside. Yeah. Like 400 grand is like the minimum. Like I'm fighting to get a hundred grand. And, uh, it's funny cause we were just sitting there and he was just like, I don't know. He goes, I don't think, I don't know if we can do this. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a fucking billion dollar company. Mm. And you want me, what I, what we really want you to do is we want you to go back to FCW and like help out the, the training that some of the new guys. And uh, we want you to uh, work on vignettes there. He goes, we don't want you to kill yourself or anything like that, but uh, we'll bring you to TV and kind of figure out what we're going to do with you from there. And I remember like, pitching them the gimmicks that Freddie Prince was pitching to me, you know, about, you know, the split personality. And then I had a couple other like ideas as well um, that I was trying to pitch them. And I remember them asking me to go to Connecticut to do vignettes with Stephanie. And I'm like, okay. So I remember, I remember getting ready for that. And then that's when they fucking released me and they, uh, they let me go. Fucking hell, man. It's so frustrating. Like, they say, oh, we don't want to do this with you. We don't want to do that with you. But they don't even know what they want to do with you. Like, yeah. if, if, you're in, if you're pitching ideas and they're shooting them down, then the retort should be an, an idea in retort. You know, like, okay, we don't want to do that. Here's the idea that we're going with and then stick to the idea. This is supposed to be the biggest wrestling company on earth that has ever existed. And at that point, for them to be like that towards you, and, it, it and reminded, so many other people is just insane to me. It reminded me of like when, uh, 
when they didn't like a you know when not to put anybody down it was like when Bret Hart was champion. Um, in those years, they really didn't know what they were doing. They didn't have a direction. In those years, the the company the business was down. You know, downtime in the in the biz in the wrestling business. And you know, Vince his narrative in two thousand eight two thousand nine was so crazy because he was trying to compete with UFC. You will never compete with UFC. UFC, the thing about UFC, and don't get me wrong, I like UFC, but real fight, real fights aren't pretty. Yeah, you know, there's story. There, you can you can create story like Conor McGregor in the last few years has created story, but you know he always creates a narrative so people will watch his fights. You know, he does a lot of shit talking, but he knows how to sell tickets. That's about selling tickets. You know, making people, you know, want to come and get, either watch him get his ass kicked or watch him win the fight. But as a narrative, you know, and Vince was so worried at that time about competing with the UFC that he, he just lost sight of the wrestling business. He was like, if you get counted out, you're out. Like, you know, back in the day, you know, you do it, you know, one, two, three count. The referees were shoot one, two, three. Like they were, if you got, if you got fucking pinned, you got pinned. It didn't matter. They were fucking told they had to fucking count. And it was like, man, this is a fucking work. This is a fucking work. Like this isn't real. This isn't UFC. If he, if I punch someone in the face, they shouldn't just stand there, Vince. Everybody knows it's not real. Like yeah. stop fucking pretending it's real. At that time, he pretended it was real, you know, and it fucking drove us insane. All of us, all of us in the company. It's like we would, we would throw somebody out of the ring and then we'd have like, we knew we'd have like four or five minutes and the person's like at count of nine, you had to run out there and throw them back in the ring to get them in the fucking ring to do the match because he would have got counted out. <laughs> you know what I mean? He wanted it to be real. Ooh, real. He wanted it to be real. And it just was never, come on, man. It, it was so frustrating. Like, I, I worked so hard to get to that point, you know, working on the indies and, you know, going to these ho-dunk towns and, and wrestling in bars for no money. My back, by the time I got into WWE, my back was so fucked up. I had needed back surgery five years before I even started in WWE. Shit. So Jesus. it's like when I fucking got to WWE, I thought it was going to be this – everybody knew what was going on. It was the production. Everything was like the production in WWE is bar none, the best production moving production company I've ever seen in my life. But everybody doesn't like, not everybody's on the same page mm. and that's the frustrating, so frustrating. And I, and I could go back, go back to it a million times. I could give you a million stories on, on the, on how just people were just so like nobody was in the right frame of mind when it came to that time in the company. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I know you've, you've told the story kind of how things came to an end there, but um, one question that I thought was uh, important to ask was um, what did you learn the most from Chavo Guerrero? Oh, same thing as Jerry Lynn, man, how to be a professional, like uh, making sure that, you know, you show up on time, you know, you, you do the proper things that a professional does work on your craft was one of the things that Chavo taught me, you know, he was, and, you know, but it's also what he Chavo taught me is how to be a better father. 
like Chavo taught me more out about being out of the ring than he, than he did in the ring. He taught me a lot in the ring, but he taught me more outside of the ring, how to be a father, how to be a husband. Uh, those things are the things that I learned the most from Chavo. Yeah. Cool, man. He's such a great guy. Yeah, no, he's awesome. I, I, I will tell a little story of how I met Chavo a bit later on. Um, but over to you, Jack. Sure. Yeah. Uh, this would be my last round of questions. Um, of course, we love hearing these uh, stories on the podcast, uh, a good old professional wrestling rib. Um, obviously, it's been prominent in the WWE for many years now. Were you ever a victim of any uh, ribs in the WWE or do you have any uh, sort of stories of uh, any ribs that you saw or took part in? Um, I was never part of any ribs in WWE. Have I been part of some ribs? Yeah. I've been even, part of some all right, let's go even non-WWE. What's the best rib you've been a part of or have seen? Oh man, we've one that one that's not going to criminalize anyone. <laughs> uh, there, there's some yeah, there's some stories that I could say, but I would rather uh, keep them to myself. There's some <laughs> stories that that might hurt some people if I told them because they're more than just ribs. They're kind of uh, personal things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that I, um, I would love to say some things, but uh, it's funny, you know. I work with, uh, I actually use, I work now with one of, uh, the Gemini twins, Mike, Mike Shane, who yep. was part of, uh, um, the Gemini twins. And, uh, we definitely rib each other more now than, uh, we ever did in the wrestling business. Um, these guys like a brother to me. So I do have to admit, uh, the, the Shane, the Shane brothers, when I was in, uh, deep South were very, very good to me. They were very kind to me. I wanted to do a shout out to them because um, when I was in Deep South, uh, we spent we spent a, a few days together there, and I've been with them ever since. Um, we've been uh, pretty much attached at the hip um, in life uh, with our kids and uh, everything like that. So I wanted to I wanted to give a shout out to the Gemini Twins because they're they're uh, they're definitely got in this business uh, back in that time, they definitely got the uh, short end of the stick as well. I agree. In this business because they could have made, you know, there are two big Jack twins. How can't you draw money with two big Jack twins? Exactly. It, it's just doesn't make any sense to me. They were, you know, people, you know, I've heard on, you know, podcasts or YouTube videos that, you know, they were shitty wrestlers and this and that. People have dogged them, but you know what? Um, they're not. They were told to do something and they did it. Big. They were big, powerful, jacked wrestlers, and that's what they were. Did they were dear? They were just supposed to beat people up, and that was their job with Simon Dean. They were supposed to beat people up, and they did their job. And then one of them got hurt. And then all of a sudden their career's over. Like people get hurt in this business all the time mm. and it's not, they're drawn. They're not making millions of dollars. It's not like it was so funny at that time. If guys were making a hundred thousand dollars and they were sitting at home, they get fired. There's guys now that are making, you know, 400,000 and sitting at home. Yeah. You know, so, and you know, it's just, it just, it just freaking baffles my mind, but I definitely wanted to give a shout out to them and, you know, shout out to any, you know, I'll, you know, I see a lot of guys in AEW that I freaking used to work with and I'm happy for them that they actually got another company yeah. that is, uh, that is actually paying well. 
uh, you know, enough to survive. Um, I'm so happy for that. I'm just happy that Vince has some sort of um, rival. You know, I don't know if it's like 100% like rival, but I've watched, you know, I've watched more AEW in the last 10 years than I've watched of WWE and how long has AEW been around? <laughs> yeah, so just, exactly. go- just over a year. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, actually, we're coming up to two years soon. Oh, is it two years? Uh, I, October this year will be will be when like the TV show started, but like, when they started doing those pay per views. Uh, oh, that was in May. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, it's and, and about the Shane yeah. twins, I completely agree. And I tell you what, I'd love to have them on the show. I think uh, okay. I'd love to get their story out there because uh, I find a lot of the time. It, there's this narrative that's always put out there by these uh, dirt sheet writers or uh, by people who have these websites like wrestlecrap.com and they talk about how horrible this person or that person was. You're only as good as material that you're given. And if you're made to be like the road warriors, then you're going to be seen like you're the road warriors. If you're going to be made to do barely. That's what they were built as that. They were built as the next road warriors. They really were. They were built that way. And wanted them to work and you know if you're told to do that type of work and you're supposed to do that then if your people tell you you know you know how many technical wrestlers can you actually have in a company i hate to say that like don't get me wrong i the business when i loved the business when i was growing up in the you know growing up when i watched the business wrestlers were larger than life mm-hmm. they really were they yeah. were big guys Hogan, Giant, you know, Ultimate Warrior, you know, all these guys that were all larger than life. And then you go to 2020 and most of the wrestlers looks like they worked at Subway. You know, they had a job at Subway. So it's like, hey, may I take your order? And now I'm going to be wrestling on Raw in like two hours. So I'll be there. So that's basically how the way I look at it. I agree. I just, you know, I can't, if you... If you walked into a building and there was 10 guys and seven of them were wrestlers, and then you saw me and the Shane twins walk in, you would think, and if everybody looked, you would think we were the wrestlers and those guys were just the fans. I agree. And those guys were, you know? I don't want to feel like I could have a chance in a fight with anyone that's on my television when I watch wrestling. I want to feel like everyone that I'm watching can kick my ass. And, and sometimes when I watch it, I'm like, you know, I think I could take that guy. And don't get me wrong. Brock's big. Bray Wyatt's big. Yeah. You know, Luke is a big guy. Oh, yeah. Because I remember he's a big guy. You know, there's, there's a few big guys. But I feel that there's one person in this company that doesn't like to hire um, or bring in guys that are big because he doesn't want to look little. So I'm not going to name names, but you'll probably understand who I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I know. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, I guess we're now we want to kind of scale further into uh, towards the end of your wrestling career. Um, I found <laughs> it interesting that um, uh, I believe it was – 5th of January, 2010, you win the SDW heavyweight title um, in a match with Adam Pearce uh, and also face him in a match for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Um, So I just wanted to see, you know, at this stage of your career, you've left WWE, you're doing this stuff now with SDW. Um, You know, how are you feeling at this stage of your career? Um, 
to be honest with you, that was probably one of my last matches, if not my last match. Yeah. Um, so I had a, I had a job opportunity at this gentleman's club in Tampa and, but they told me, they're like, you know, we're cool with you being a wrestler, but you have to, you have to choose, you have to choose either wrestling or working for us. We run our, we run our business like a business. Like if you want to be like work maybe one day a week and be part-time, that's totally fine. But if we want to work here, this is how it is. And I remember I got the opportunity to wrestle, you know, Adam and you got to remember I started and that's one of the person, that's one of the people I didn't name when I talked about the old steel domain wrestling, Adam was coming up in the business at the same time I did. And um, he was, he was the man at steel domain when I first started, you know, wrestling because he had been wrestling maybe a year or two before me. And I was thinking, okay, if I'm going to have a last match, who do I want it to be with? And when he, when the promoter called me and it was, he was like, Adam wants to wrestle you in Minneapolis. Do you want to do it? I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to do it because I don't know if I'm going to have another match and I want this to be my last match. And Jerry Lynn was actually on the show too. So it was like, my uncle was actually there. My, all my family were there um, because I told a lot of them that I didn't think I was going to be wrestling anymore. And I was going to move on to, you know, other things in my life. So I didn't know if I was going to have another match. And I might have had one more in I think Florida. It, uh, St. I, Petersburg against Kennedy Kendrick on the 30th of July, yeah, 2010. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had one or two more after that, but it wasn't many. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, at that time when I was thinking about the match, I was like, okay, I need to wind this down because I'm not, I wasn't old, but I also – didn't want to be a person that was 50 years old and still trying to make ends meet in life. Uh, I never wanted to be that way. I never wanted to chase the wrestling dream. I loved wrestling. I still love wrestling. I love the pure, the pure form of wrestling. I love the fans, um, love them, love them and hate them. My job 99% of the time when I was in the wrestling business was for them to hate me. So, uh, and a lot of them never got to, you know, experience this type of Justin, I guess. Yeah. And, and, um, and it's funny because people meet me, you know, and the rest of us are like, oh, man, you're a nice guy. I'm like, man, you need to read me. You need to meet me in real life because I'm not a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, yeah, that, was, that match was good. And I had a really good time in that match. Um, I do remember it. Um, I have a really good memory when it comes to things. You Like you probably can tell. Yeah. Um, uh, Adam was, uh, Adam, the NWA champion. I remember we had to do something so he wouldn't lose the title. Um, but I could actually win the other title. So yeah, it, was, cool, it, was, man. it was a good match. And we had a, we had a really good, we had a fun time actually before the show and actually after the show talking. And it's cool that he's actually an agent there. And, you know, when they brought him in as a trainer, I was fucking super excited for him. I'm very happy for him. He's a really, really good guy. Well, I've heard that he's actually wrestling Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Uh, <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, really? Yeah, that, is. Is, that, is that right, Jack? Like, I, I yeah. don't watch it anymore, but I heard that um, there was a situation where he was thrust into a match and all of a sudden he's now facing Roman Reigns for the WWE title at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah, he is. The Universal title well, at the Rumble. A Universal title, right. 
Yeah, just so you know, uh, I don't consider Roman Reigns one of the guys that work at Subway. Okay, he's oh, he's in course. really good shape. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and Bray Wyatt's a big fucking dude. So, but needless to say, there's uh, you know, I just um, I'm just trust me, I like I like the flips and and all the uh, the whatnot because I had a lot of really good matches with Evan Bourne. I could name off a lot of good guys that I had matches with Evan Bourne. Um, um, Axe, oh, what's his name? Uh, Atlas DeBone. Atlas DeBone, when he was in WWE, he was a, a character in 2008. He was a good guy. I liked him. He was, we were kind of the same age, so we got along. Um, it was just weird. Like when I was in OVW, there was, there was so many young guys, and I was such an older guy. I was probably, you know, 10 or 11 years older because, you know, there's a, you know, Hawkins and Ryder, Hawkins and Ryder. I'm like 10 years older than those guys. Right. So, I remember, you know, them just wanted to hang out and, you know, play game, video games and stuff like that. And I was trying to figure out what bar I was going to go to to pick up the next, you know, hooker, you know, no, not real. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. Um, so this is uh, being thrown over to you, Jack. Uh, we, we know that uh, why you wanted to retire at the time now, but um, Jack, we've got a few more there for you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, we're just going to pretty much go, Two more questions, and then we're going to go into Five Second Frenzy, the segment we like to end the show with. Um, so, of course, um, aside from wrestling, what have you actually been up to since um, since retiring from wrestling? Because I know you mentioned earlier that you were uh, working at a strip club or still do work at a strip club. So uh, what so have you been the, up to? That's the dream, right? <laughs> well, uh, I actually am a partner at that strip club in Tampa. Uh, I actually own part of it. I, uh, I have owned part of it for going – little seven plus years now. Um, I had the opportunity to buy in that time. And uh, I was either, I couldn't pass it up. The money's too good in this business. Um, and then I also got into medical marijuana. I actually uh, have a center in Michigan. Brilliant. Um, yeah. So I am in that. Um, I own a part of DC United, the MLS soccer team. Not really cool yeah man so i've i got my hands in quite a few things right now um uh it's funny because i'll show you if i if i can change this yeah man you see my shirt i got this on that wall let me uh there you go nice so i got that got that when i when i bought into the to the club um i actually uh i just had a baby about about a year and a half ago, um, another one. So I have an 18 year old and a 20 month old. So, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I got remarried, uh, about two years, about two years ago, little, uh, about little, little, little less than two years ago. Oh, awesome. congratulations, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, and last but not least, uh, for me, of course, um, do you have any regrets? I mean, that can be a pretty broad question. Ah, I don't, I don't have any regrets. Do, do I, uh, wish it would have went a little bit differently in the business? Yes. Am I, am I, you know, people ask all the time should, if I should go and do those, you know, autograph signings and, you know, those fan deals and whatnot, that's just never been me. Um, I'm not really one to, to like be out there. You know, cause you know, guys will come to my club and be like, 
you know, here's the encyclopedia. Can you sign this for me? And I, and I'm always happy to do that. Um, but I've never been one to like, want to be out there. You know, I don't want to like travel the circuit being like a retired wrestler, trying to get someone to buy my autograph. I'm that's not me. I never have been like that. I don't, I'm not that way. So, the, you know, to answer your question, it, you no, know, I have no regrets. Um, would I, do I wish that it would have went differently? Of course. I think everybody wishes it would have went differently because in the end, everybody gets everyone. Yeah. You know, the only person going to get fired is Hunter, Stephanie, and Vince. Everybody else, well, Shane, everybody else is going to get fired no matter what. Yeah. So, and that's what I always tell everybody when it comes to my business. I'm like, there's four of us, five of us, everybody else is going to get fired eventually. You know, yeah. that's what, when you're the owner. Yeah. So, you know, so, but I have no regrets. Um, like I said, there's certain things that I do wish I would have done differently. Um, but I feel like if I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have went to WWE, I wouldn't be in Florida and I wouldn't be where I am today in my life. Um, I wouldn't have my baby. I wouldn't have my wife and, uh, I wouldn't be in Florida and, uh, yeah, I don't regret it at all. That's awesome, awesome man. That's really, answer. really, really fucking cool, man. We're just happy when uh, people that have been in the business obviously have been disappointed by the experience. Well, I mean, you, you, I'm sure you have great memories as well, but uh, disappointed by what ended up happening when you probably had this idea of what could be and because the powers that be didn't know what the fuck they were doing, um, you know, it's just Never great to hear that you're happy, you know, and that you've, you've been able to move yeah. on from it and not worry about it after, you know, 10, never, nearly 11 years. Never. That's the, that's the only thing I can say. It, it never ends the way you want it to, no matter if you're freaking Hulk Hogan or myself, or, you know, you know, some people can, re, you know, retire and, you know, you know, drive off into the sunset, you know, but a lot of people don't. You know, a lot of people don't have the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? The fairy tale ending. Fairy tale ending. Yes. Like the Brett Favre ending or like any football player, you know, the, nobody wins the title and then retires like, you know, Peyton Manning or one of those guys in the yeah. NFL or what. nobody had, there's, it's very rare. It's yeah. very rare that it, and it just doesn't, it doesn't really happen in the wrestling business. There's too many people that, that you know have that life and they have that vision that how it's going to end and it never ends that way it just never does exactly but yeah, i'm man. i'm okay with how it ended um at the time was i okay with it i was like holy fuck what am i going to do what am i going to do with my life do i want a wrestler do i want to be a wrestler do i want to wrestle i don't know but then i realized do i want to fucking try to because at the time when i was when I got released, I had, uh, I'd contacted TNA and I remember talking to Terry Taylor and Terry's like, yeah, I think we're, uh, we want to bring you in. And I'm like, okay, cool. And he goes, he goes, this is what we're going to do for you. We're going to do 30 appearances for $300 an appearance. And I was like, wait, what? 30 appearances for $300. He goes, but you can work indies. And at the that time, if you guys remember, the indies weren't fucking good. They were yeah. terrible. Mm. 
So they, you know, that's not like the Indies now. I heard guys are actually making money on the Indies. Yeah. Now there's no, but there was back then there was no money on the Indies. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do maybe two appearances, you know, every couple weeks or every month, who knows when TNA, what was going on with TNA, you know, I do a couple appearances and then go from there, maybe make $600 and I got to travel. Yeah. Are you paying for my, you know, it was like, nah, I don't think that's what I want to do. So that's when I had to, you know, reevaluate my life. So that's when I figured that I'm to uh, look at some boobies for the rest of my life and be happy. Yeah. Well, that, that's a victory right there, my friend. Uh, yeah. Very envious of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not it's not as uh, glamorous as you think so. As you think. <laughs> oh no, I can imagine it would probably be quite stressful, um, especially with of, drunk drunk patrons. I know that can probably be. Oh no, no, no! I don't. The patrons are are least of my problems. It's oh. usually the girls with daddy issues. I mean, they're, <laughs> no. they're, the ones, they're the ones that are my problem. Oh, I see. Okay, well, we always anyway. talk about if we if we could kill one girl, oh, we can kill one for a year. We, we should be able to get away with it, but they, they haven't passed that law yet in, in the United States. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, bro, uh, we're coming up to this final segment of the show. It's called Five Second Frenzy. It's 10 quick fire questions. I think it's 10. Yeah, it's it, 10. Uh, it is 10. It's just to learn uh, about a couple of things that you like about wrestling, but mostly some things that you like outside of wrestling. Okay. Oh, and you have five okay. seconds to answer each question. And once again, if you don't, you know, beat the five seconds, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get in trouble. Um, okay. So here well, we go. Bam, nearly five second frenzy. Your true. favorite oh. wrestler. Oh, my uh, Bret Hart is my favorite wrestler. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, your favorite opponent. Undertaker. Nice. nice. Uh, the favorite match you've ever had. Um, I had a match with Evan Bourne. It was, it was an OBW. I was probably my favorite match. Awesome. Uh, your favorite TV show. Um, wow. Law and order. <laughs> nice. Uh, your favorite film. Uh, gladiator. Nice. Uh, your favorite musical artist. Kill switch engage. Oh dude. I've seen them nice. like five times. <laughs> Love yeah, them. Um, your favorite book? Oh man, I got a I got a couple. Um, man, hmm, I don't know, I don't know. That's cool. Go another one. <laughs> uh, your favorite food? Shoot, probably I would say pizza, but probably probably pasta. Pasta probably my favorite. Very nice. Uh, your favorite place to eat on the road? Uh, Outback. Was get out, we get Outback a lot. We get Outback a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, your favorite alcoholic every, beverage? Uh, at, when I was in WWE, rum and coke. Rum and coke. Now it's uh, vodka and Sprite with a splash of cranberry. That's my. And then uh, my other favorite drink is shots of <laughs> Shots of rumple mints are my favorite. Oh. Have you ever had rumple mints? No, I haven't. No. Rumple mints is uh whoa. It's the devil. It is the devil. It's like 120 proof freaking <laughs> holy shit. Like liquid lightning. 
Um, your favorite female body part? Uh, I'm a boobs guy. I like nice. boobs. Well, you've, you've found your career, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Your favorite curse word, which is the last question here on Five Second Frenzy? Uh, fuck, yeah. I say it a yeah. lot. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome, bro. Fuck is probably the number one answer for uh, favorite curse word. But uh, Bam Neely, yeah. I, I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, talking to us here today uh, you know what when we first started this podcast in February last year because of the pandemic and all that we were bored uh, I remember thinking to myself who is someone that I could get that I bet the guys don't think I'll be able to get and your name was the name I was like, if I can get Bam Neely, then the guys will believe in me that I can get anybody because I couldn't find anything. No email address, no booking information, nothing on Twitter. I couldn't find anything. And I'm like, I will, I will find a way to get this guy on the show. And thankfully, Mike Moran mentioned your name. And I'm like, oh, it just so happens that this is a massive bucket list one for me. Um, you know, so, it's, yeah. yeah, I don't have any media, no social media presence. I got <laughs> off social about four years ago and it was the best fucking decision I've ever made. There you go. Fucking, there you go. Very wise. Yeah. I don't don't have Facebook anymore. I've only got a Twitter for the podcast to promote it. That's it. I, uh, yeah, there's too much political BS on there and I'm just over it. If you live in America right now, how much political mumbo jumbo there's going on right now, you would, uh, you would want to move to Australia. Trust me. (laughs) Oh man. I try. I try I to imagine. stay out of it because it's just it's it's uh it it's it feels like it's a t- it's a movie. It feels like this is not real life, and these are actors on television because it just seems not not like real life. Man, this last twenty twenty when twenty twenty happened, I'm glad it was. I'm glad it's over, and I'm glad we're in twenty twenty one because twenty twenty sucked. Yep, and. Uh, like how you guys are when it comes to like the shutdowns and everything. But um, Florida, um, our governor is getting a lot of shit for uh, being open, completely open. And uh, he's just being ripped apart. But uh, thank God for him because if he wouldn't be open right now, my, would, I, my business would go under. Oh, like, right. yeah. have a, I don't have a large scale business. I have a, we're, we're a small business. We're small business owners. No, but and I appreciate that he actually like fucking had some balls and was like, "Fuck this, we're gonna stay open. Yeah, we're not killing anybody. We're not trying to kill anybody. It's just I'm just happy that he did what he did." Cool, bro. Well, um, again, I want to thank you so much for being on the show well, here today. It was so interesting, and you're probably one of the most honest and open people we've had on the show that just told us all these great backstage inside stories of what really went on and really appreciate the fact that you're going to be so honest with us. And, you know, even if you feel disappointed by what happened in WWE, at least you know that in the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia, there were guys over here that appreciated what you did. No, man, it's all good. We, I mean, like I said, I'll I'll keep going back to it. I, I was disappointed in what happened. Um, like I said, they just didn't have direction then. I really wish everybody always talks about if I would have been 10 years before, 10 years after how my career would have probably went, I would have been a lot better. Um, 
but I don't have any regrets. You know, I know I can say that with a, my wholeheartedly, I don't have any regrets at all. Um, I'm happy in my life. Um, I have a great family. I have a great, I have a great time. Um, you know, I still, you know, Mike Moran, um, he's a great guy. Um, we had a, me and Mike, we used to have a lot of long talks about not really the wrestling business, just about life. Cause I, people really don't understand. Like, I really didn't know Mike until I got to Florida. Like I knew of him. I knew of him in the wrestling business, but I really didn't know him. And he like, he became a really, really close friend of mine. We worked at the same business together for a little while uh, at that club. And then we stopped. Um, he actually moved on to bigger and better things. Yeah. And, uh, and then I stayed and uh, we, but we've still, just because we don't talk doesn't mean that I don't have a lot of respect for him. He's a great guy. Lenny Lane, Lenny Lane, the same, like Lenny taught me a lot in the business. I had, I didn't mention Lenny enough in this uh, interview, but Lenny Lane, um, he was such a great guy to me, taught me so much about the business in the early part of my career, um, how to be, how to put matches together. When you're young in the business, it's like, fuck, what do you do? How do you do this? And Lenny would always like, he would walk me through it and like taught me. And he, like one of my first three or four matches was with Lenny. Like he was like, he had a lot of trust in me and he's like, Hey, let's have, let's have a match together. And I was like, what? Really? Okay, mm -hmm. cool. You know, one of those things. So it was, uh, I was with Lenny. He was really always there for me. And I really appreciate that. And it's so funny because he lives in Florida and I haven't seen that guy ever. So crazy. We live probably 10 minutes away from each other and we've never seen each other just because we live different lives, man. It's just, it's just how life goes once you get out of the wrestling business, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hopefully you can catch up with him sometime soon. Yeah. Uh, I'm a very busy, you know, I'm a busy person. I know he's a busy person. So it's just one of those things that it, it happens. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, bro, again, Bam, I just want to thank you so much for your time here today. And um, no, man, I, guys, we'll, we'll be in like, touch by email. And I know that one day I do plan to uh, fly over there to Florida and I definitely want to check out your establishment. I want to hang out with Mike. I want to hang out with all the boys <laughs> in Florida. All right. Interview. We've had so many people from Florida, so it'll be so much fun to meet you in person one day. One of those things, uh, 2001 Odyssey is where all the wrestlers come to die. Yeah, all the wrestlers, die, we all come there, and well, there's probably been like ten of them that have actually worked at that club. So it's it's really funny. So, but uh, I appreciate it, guys, and I thank you for your time, man. Thanks, awesome. bro. Really appreciate time, uh, and thank you to everyone out there for watching here this interview with Bam Neely on the WCWA Network. I am California Infuria alongside Bam Neely, and we will see you guys next time.